pumpkin carving night at Patwin Park. Uh, we'll be giving children knives at night in the dark. <laughs> and then probably matches. Um, <laughs> and then the trunk or treat, uh, it's not as scary as it sounds. Uh, Spencer, every single day after uh, trunk or treat, he was like, is today Halloween? So it was a blast. And uh, please, everybody come, because uh, it's not to be missed. I think that's all I got. All right. Good morning. Thanks for clapping for me. Um, just, <laughs> just tease. Yeah, I know who it was for. <laughs> I'm not confused about it. How's everybody doing? Good, good. So good to see everybody. Um, yeah, you know, if it's your uh, first time with us here today, or maybe your first time in a long time, I just want to say welcome, and we're really glad that you uh, joined us. I'm, I've got some major echo issues going on up here, but um, you can just turn me down on the monitors all the way, if, if I'm not already. Um, anyway, so yeah, just really awesome. You were just glad that you're here, and, uh, and so just make yourself at home. You, as, you'll, as you've probably already caught on, uh, we're not a church of of uh, of heirs, <laughs> you know. We we uh, we kind of just be ourselves, and uh, and sometimes that works out great. And then then there's Bobby, and then no, I'm just teasing. I love it. I honestly love it when Bobby gets up here because I just never know what he's going to say, and it's always awesome. It's just always always awesome. So so great. Um, so we're going to continue on in this series. If you want to turn over to um, uh, where are we? Second Timothy, chapter three. Second Timothy, chapter three. Um, while you're turning over there, let me just say a couple of things. I, uh, several of us, about I don't know, eight, nine, or ten of us, uh, have uh, been going to this um, uh, training uh, for the last couple of months for uh, biblical counselors, and uh, we did that yesterday, uh, Friday and Saturday, and it was uh, just a great, great time of of, uh, of, of teaching and, and just you know making all of us. Uh, be able to handle uh, the needs of our congregation in greater ways, and uh, and our own needs as well. Um, and so, I, I just want to say, I just love that um, that there are this, there is this group of people, and it's kind of constantly growing. That it, they're preparing themselves for what you all, as the church, might possibly need them for. Uh, they're preparing. I mean, they're they're. They're giving up weekends. They're giving up time from family and things like that on the off chance that you have some sort of crisis in your life that maybe they could help point you to God's word and, and give you some hope. And, uh, and not just you all, but our community at large as well. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's investing in that. And then also, um, I just love that our church is a church that kind of thinks in that kind of way. You know, it's, it's a very unselfish thing to do to say, um, you know, God's given me these gifts of, you know, compassion and wisdom or whatever. And I want to invest some time to strengthen those gifts and to position myself to where I can. It's not it's not like we have a church where there's like this line of 30 people just waiting for a counselor. Um, they tend to trickle in more slowly than the line. <laughs> But at the same time, just this idea that there's, you know, a dozen people that are like, um, you know, when, when the time comes, I want to be ready for that. Uh, 
that's that's really awesome to me. It's really awesome to me. So uh, thank you, and and uh, and that's a that's a really great thing that's going on. Um, on that note, if there's ever anything going on in your life that you do would, would like some counsel for, it doesn't even have to be a major crisis, you know. Um, in fact, if you wait until the major crisis, uh, you know, you're probably in for more counseling than you wanted. Uh, and so, um, you know, just if, just wise counsel issues, you know, life choices and things like that that you're trying to sort out in your life. Or some maybe you're, you're in a situation where there is something major going on or, or, or maybe there's a kind of a sin issue that you're trapped in and, and, uh, and you feel like you're having trouble getting out from underneath that or, you know, any number of different things. Um, you know, that's part of what we're here as a church for. Uh, not, not, not that church is about counseling, but that church is about building each other up. And, uh, and so, and we're actually, we're going to get into more, more of that in just a second. So anyway, that was a cool thing. Cool weekend and uh, great teaching. If you haven't, if that's something you're interested in, uh, if you feel like, you know, God maybe has gifted you in such a way that you might make a good uh, listener and, uh, and somebody who could, you know, point people to wisdom or, or, or at least want to be trained to be able to point people to wisdom and that sort of thing, uh, I think every fall uh, we'll, we'll do this training. Uh, it's in Walnut Creek, and so it'll come back around next year, and, and uh, you can get signed up for that. That'll be great. All right, so um, we're in this series called uh, Church Under Construction, where as we are, by the way, as you can see, kind of a church under construction, where we're, we're, this is a work in progress, so pardon our dust. Uh, but um, as, as we're doing that, we want to make sure that we're taking a good close look at uh, how we can continue to build upon the healthy church that God has blessed us with. And so it's just kind of subtle reminders of, of what, it, what it takes for us to be uh, and to maintain a healthy church. And so this week we're going to talk about uh, an issue I think that might be, I, I probably say this every week, don't I? Um, but, but this week it's true. And that is that it might be one of the most critical issues in the health of a church. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm a lover of bread. Does anybody else love bread? Wow, Amy, your hand just shot up in the air. That was awesome. Like she's passionate about bread. That's great. So <laughs> I didn't mean to point you out. I'm sorry. <laughs> So anyway, nobody else is going to raise their hand the rest of the day. Um, but no, I love bread. I love bread. Like, you know what I love? I love, uh, I love going to like uh, Bodine's or Panera Bread. I love the soup in the bread bowl. Anybody else love the soup in the bread bowl? Like that's the greatest invention in the history of the world right there. An edible bowl of bread. That is great. And so I'm one of the few people that you may know that actually normally finishes the bowl. <laughs> like, I, like I eat the bowl. Like, it's, I know you're not supposed to. I know that's not like, you know, kosher to sit there and like, ah, chew down the bowl. But I do. I, I love the bowl. And I just love some sourdough bread. I love bread so much. And if I'm honest with myself, if I had, like, I remember, <laughs> I remember as a kid, I don't know if, if some of you are old enough to remember this, but when I was a kid, like I'd come home from school in the afternoon and there would be certain shows on, uh, like I remember like about three o'clock every day, they would show back to back old episodes of the Lone Ranger and old episodes of the black and white Superman. You guys remember those? Uh, some of you that are old, remember, like me, remember those shows. And so now I, I wasn't there for the original airings of them. So don't get weird. I mean, it was reruns. Okay. But <clears throat> anyway, so, so I remember watching, and I remember like anytime they would lock somebody up in jail uh, on either one of those shows, it would be, they would talk about, well, you know, the meals, what were the meals that prisoners got back in those shows? Anybody remember? 
bread and water, bread and water. And they say it like that's the worst thing in the world. And I was like, what's up? That's okay. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm okay with bread and water. You know, that doesn't sound so bad. And, and I mean, I just, I love bread. And, and if I'm honest with myself, I could, I, I, I could eat nothing but bread and be pretty, pretty happy, like pretty happy. Now, the problem with that is uh, I discovered about seven years ago that I'm diabetic. And so I can no longer eat tons of bread officially. Okay. <laughs> so, like I can't, I can't do that. I'm not supposed to do that. Right. And, uh, and although I had a bread bowl yesterday and, um, but I only ate half of the bowl. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm I, like, if, so here's the deal about bread for me now and, and like where bread used to bring me such joy. Now it still brings me joy in terms of my taste buds. But there's also this nagging feeling with every bite, like I'm killing myself. I'm killing myself. I'm kill- like it's, it's that's a real that's a reality for me now, right? And I got to deal with that. And so and so, you know, even though it's a great thing, and, and can we just be honest? As bad all the bad press that bread has gotten in recent years, bread is actually pretty healthy for you. It's it's, it's not a it's not an unhealthy thing for you, uh, in moderation. In moderation, right? And so. Uh, as, as, as healthy as it may or may not be, as delicious as it is, as, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, even Jesus said, man can't live by bread alone, right? And, and so, like, Jesus was way ahead of his time in that, right? And so, um, I know that if, if, I, if all I ever eat, for me especially, if all I ever eat is bread all day long, like, I, like it's going to rush me to the grave. Like, it's going to kill me, Right? Um, and so in church life, can I just be honest? Can anybody guess like as we're doing a worship service, as we're doing actually any, any, any aspect of church life, uh, does anybody have an idea what my favorite part of church life is? What? Dismiss it. No, that's your favorite part. <laughs> any, any, somebody said communion. I'm not, no, no. I'm not like gorging on bread so much. I'm like, yeah, communion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that sick. <laughs> no, oh, okay, here it is. My favorite part of church life is preaching. I like not only doing it, but listening to it. I love the preached word. I just love it so much. And, and honestly, if I was the kind of guy that never listened to anybody else's opinions and was just like egomaniacal and was like, we're doing church my way and nobody, I don't care about what anybody else thinks, it would probably just be all preaching. It, I just, I love preaching so much. I, I, I listen to it often during the week and I love the, I love when I get to preach. It's a passion of mine, that sort of thing. But he, let me tell you something about, about preaching. Oh, and by the way, preaching is a great thing. It's a great, great thing that preaching is actually, uh, that's one of the first points I'm going to put up there, that preaching is, is, a, is actually a, a God-ordained part of a healthy church life. Like it's, it's important, like God commands it and commends it and, and preaching is a great thing. Uh, but second Timothy, uh, chapter three, I want you to look at this second Timothy chapter three. We're gonna start with verse 16. All right. I got new glasses. And so my arms are getting too short. Okay. Uh, second Timothy three sixteen says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete 
equipped for every good work. Then chapter 4 says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. He's 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 like, the word of God is important, and it needs to be preached. It needs to be preached. But don't lose sight of what else he says there in that passage where he says, uh, you know, it's profitable for all these kind of different things, for teaching, for uh, encouragement, for reproof, for all these other kinds of different things. And, 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 and this is the point I want to make, make to you this morning, that while preaching is a God-ordained part of a healthy church life, it's, it's not enough. Preaching is just simply not enough. That good preaching alone, alone, will kill a church. Kill it. That it's just simple. Like if all we did and all we had was good, solid preaching, it would be just enough to kill this church. Because there's so much more to church life, one, than the preacher, and two, than the preaching. There's so much more to church life that, you know, I am not Living Hope Church that we are Living Hope Church. And this church, although we're always going to strive and aim for solid, you know, biblical teachings grounded in the truth of God's Word, um, there's more to church than just preaching. Some of you get that. Some of you get because your your favorite thing is not preaching at all. Like, you're like, I really wish you would shut up right now. (laughs) Like, let's just get the band back up there. and You know, that sort of thing. And so some of you totally get that and, and, and understand that, but, but we have to realize as, as people that um, the preached word is not enough. Now, where I want to go from here is, is one of the most important things about, I think, about a healthy church experience is this idea of having meaningful relationships with one another, meaningful relationships with one another. And then I also think that's fleshed out in in the form often of, of small groups. And the small groups can take on, on many different forms. Maybe it's you and one or two friends meeting, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks to encourage one another and getting the word together. Maybe it's a kind of a more formal, not formal, but, you know, more normal, I guess, uh, small group experience where, you know, there's 8, 10, 12 of you in somebody's living room and, and you're opening up the word together. Uh, maybe it's, you know, you're doing something active. I, we had a small group here that met at the uh, gun range for a while and they would shoot bullets and talk about the Bible, which is awesome, awesome. Uh, we've got a group that meets every once in a great while uh, that we call Holy Smokes, and it's a bunch of guys sitting around a campfire, and we smoke cigars and talk theology. Uh, and so it, small groups can look like a whole lot of different things, uh, but, that, but the connection is the important thing. The connection is the important thing. And I'm just going to say this. You can't get that connection here at 9 o'clock on Sunday or at 10.30 on Sunday. You just can't. Like, like you can meet people and kind of have a casual, you know, meet them and know them enough that if you saw them at Safeway, you'd be like, hey, we go to the same church. But that's not really connection. Like, you could have that relationship with your barista, right? Uh, and not really be... Con- now, some of you have a very intimate relationship with your barista. Uh, but, but I'm talking about... For most of us, this hour on Sunday is just simply not enough. We need to really experience a healthy 
church experience and for us as a church to maintain a healthy church life, we need solid, meaningful connection between all of us. Like, and we, we use this word around here a lot because it's the best word. Like we're aiming for family, family. We're not trying to build, uh, you know, some big organization. We're trying to build a big family, a big family. So um, let, let me go over some points of, of, of how the Bible uh, talks about this. If you want to turn over to Ephesians 4.11, Ephesians 4.11, um, Paul uh, puts it in, the, in the, basically what he's telling us is that in a healthy church, all members are ministers. In a healthy church, all members are ministers. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, for building up the body of Christ. He gave all of these different roles. Like there's not just, like I said earlier, church is not just about the preacher, that every one of us has a role in this thing that we call the kingdom of God. And in this, and in this community that we call church, everybody's got a different role. And some of your role might be, uh, uh, teaching or preaching, and some of your role might be encouraging, and some of your role might be uh, works. These are things that we call spiritual gifts, that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he gifts us with certain abilities so that we can contribute well to, to this uh, thing that we call church. First uh, Corinthians 12, 7. First Corinthians 12, 7 teaches us that the Holy Spirit uses all of us for all of us. Uh, and he says this, uh, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, God has given you a gift, of, uh, gifts of the Spirit, so that all of us can reap the benefit. So that all of us can reap the benefit. That you, when you became a new life in Jesus Christ, when you begin to start following Jesus Christ and you place your faith in Him, that He has, uh, you know, you've heard the phrase "born again." Uh, Jimmy Carter wasn't the first one to use it. Uh, most of you are too young to know what that means. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, but, but yeah, it, like we are, you know, Jesus actually talked about in John chapter three, how we are born again to a new life in Christ. And, and in that, when we are born again, we, God kind of, uh, newly creates us with a job to do that. All of us have a role. All of us have a responsibility in this thing that we call church and, and larger in, in the kingdom of God. And so we are, the Holy Spirit uses all of us, all of us, not just some of us, all of us, for the sake of all of us. So like, I need you. Like, I, I need every single, like I look across this room and all these faces that I know that I've been doing church with for years now. And like, I can think of why I need each, each one of you. Like, you bring something to my life as a member of Living Hope that if you weren't here, that it would be missing in my life. Um, you know, I mean, in the natural course of, of life, people move or relocate or something like that. But it's, it's somewhat painful when you see that in the life of a church. I mean, even though, you know, maybe it's a good move for them and you're happy for them or whatever. But when somebody, especially like if it's somebody that brought great meaning uh, or value to your life and you see them move on. And I've said this to people before when they've left, like, it's hard for me to imagine living hope without you. Like it's, it's a hard reality for me to get my head around. And I, and I feel that way about, you know, so many of us here in this room that God 
gifts all of us for all of us. We all need, we all need each other. Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Um, that we, we do church for each other. Verses 24 and 25. Um, I'm sorry, here we go. There it is. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day he's talking about is the day when Christ returns and kind of fully inaugurates his kingdom here on earth. And, and, uh, but he's, but he's, he's saying, you know, let's not neglect this time with each other. We need to be there for each other to encourage one another. Can I tell you one of the biggest uh, moments of your spiritual life? One of the biggest moments of your spiritual life will be when you stop going to church for you and you start going to church for other people. That's a major, major moment in your life. When, when you realize that I'm not just coming here as a, and, and, and it's not, that's not a bad thing. Let me, let me preface that by saying this is not a bad thing. It's a natural phase of, of maturity. When we're new in Christ Jesus, we, we just want to, like we want to devour. We're like babies. If you ever had a newborn baby, they just eat, eat, eat all the time and that sort of thing. Like we just, that's how we are as kind of newborns in Christ. We want to just devour. I want to know more about God. I want to know more about this life that I'm supposed to live in him. I want to know more and more about that and just devour, devour, devour. But if we never mature out of that very kind of consumeristic mindset, which at one time is healthy and normal, but seriously, like if you're, if your 16 year old, your 17 year old, uh, is, is waking you up four times a night for a meal, you're like, this is good. No, this has got to stop. Like you, you're sending that child away. You are legitimately sending that child away. And so, um, we, that's not normal. We expect people to mature beyond those phases. And the same thing in church life. When you reach that point to where you're like, um, cause that, cause, cause that, can I just tell you at some point the consumerism will wear off and you're going to be left with this moment where you're like, eh, I don't, I don't really need to go to church. Like, everything's good. I'm not hurt. And I've kind of got a lot of this stuff figured out. Um, I think I'm going to skip it. And then skipping it once turns into skipping it for a month and turns into skipping it for six months. And, and, and before long, you're distant. You're distant. And then I'm having a conversation with you in the aisle at Walmart. And you're going, man, my life's falling apart. I got to get back in church. Right, and this happens when you, because you never graduated to that point to where you stopped going to church just for you, and you started going to church. Why? Because you realized you were part of something larger, and you were needed there. Like the way God has gifted you and equipped you was necessary for a healthy church life. And then, and here's the thing: you may think, well, if I'm just going to church for other people, that seems, you know, what do I get out of that? And here's the thing, you get so much more out of that than you ever did out of the other. You get so much more. Like when you start showing up to church because you're a part of something bigger than you and you know you have something to contribute um, uh, or, or you're there for other people. Like here's the thing, like there is so much good stuff that happens in this worship time. Let's just talk about this time, okay? There's other times during the week that we do church things. But let's just talk about this time. There's so much good stuff that happens. I see it happen all the time when people walk in and you guys are connecting with each other. And maybe somebody walks in, they're looking kind of down, and one of you notice it. 
And before long, I'm glancing, and I see you've got this person over in the corner. You've got your hands on their shoulders, and you're praying with them. And you're like lifting. Like you came to church because you were like, yeah, it's a good day. Let's go to church. You had no idea that God had a mission for you that morning, that he needed you to make a connection with someone that morning. There's so much, this, uh, and other stuff. I mean, you, you look at the, the, uh, our, uh, you know, our greeters as we walk in this morning. That, that The first impression that they, those, those folks give of our church, it is huge. It is huge. Uh, everybody who's active in ministry, but even beyond that, just those of you who are showing up to attend, the way you connect with each other and build each other up, that's that's huge, huge part of church life. It's a huge part of church life. I love seeing that. You know, I saw, I saw this morning that is one of my favorite things to see at church. I saw somebody uh, recognize somebody else that they had invited to church, walk in the door, and the joy that came on their face was just like, yay, and they, you know, just embrace and everything. I love, I love seeing that. I love seeing that. that that we are here not so much just for us, although we get a lot out of church life individually. We're here to contribute to church life as well. Now, the tricky part about us, like, like as we talked about, was it last, it was two weeks ago, right? Two weeks ago when we talked a little bit about evangelism, or was that last week? Yeah, you don't know either. Okay, so... Uh, anyway, one of these last two weeks, we talked about evangelism and, and, uh, and just how important it is for us to be reaching out. Uh, and and that, that's part of our call. We're to go and make disciples, and that's part of who we are as Christians. And a healthy church does that, okay? Um, and so as a healthy church that's seeking to, as we talked about before, recruit new worshipers, like, like we, we love worship so much that we just want to share it with everybody else and get more people uh, uh, passionate about worship and passionate about God and Jesus Christ and you know that sort of thing. So, uh, as people who are doing that, what happens is very naturally our church will grow. Our church will grow. It's grown over the years. It's gonna, you know, God willing, it's going to continue to grow, and churches become bigger and bigger and bigger. And and that's a good thing because that means people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Hopefully, right? But here's the thing about healthy church: as a church grows bigger because it's being faithful to what God has called them to do, it must also grow smaller. As a church grows bigger, it must also grow smaller. And by that, I mean that if we only grow in a lar- to a large number to our worship times here on a Sunday morning or whatever, and that's the only thing that we do, that is not sustainable. It'll eventually kind of implode on itself. That's why, and, and I'm not against... Uh, mega churches, I, I think that's great. I think the more the merrier. Let's, let's, let's build the biggest church we can possibly build because we're doing it for the kingdom of God, right? I'm not against that. But what you often see is uh, churches, large churches across this nation, I'm sure other nations too, that will grow to a very large size and they're so focused on getting that number up, getting that number up, getting that number up. And then after 10, 15 years, they implode on themselves and suddenly they can't fill the giant building that they built anymore. Why? Because there was nothing. Because let's say the key leader, the senior pastor, leaves or has a moral failure or something like that. And everything was built on that one guy and his personality. And without him, it couldn't sustain. And so it, people just start falling away. They start going away or, or their faith was weak and they, didn't, they don't know how to stay and do church, you know, whatever. Or, or maybe it's just... 
you get to this point. I remember um, my brother talking to me uh, several years ago. He was him and his wife were going to a church, and they loved the church. It was a pretty decent sized church, and uh, they went there for a year or two, and would just tell everybody about this church. They just love this church, like it's so great, and the pastor's so great, and and uh, and we we just love this church. And after about a year and a half, he said one day we were talking to each other, and we realized like this church that we love. We really don't know anybody here. Like, it, it, like if we're not careful, we build this great experience. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I think church should be a good experience. It should be an awesome experience. But if we put all of our eggs in that experience basket and we don't also build relationships, discipleship, uh, you know, groups and mentoring and accountability and things like that, then eventually it, the weight of the size of the church can't, uh, the, the weak foundation can't support it. We have to build a stronger foundation to support that. So that's, as we grow bigger, and we will, we must also grow smaller, which I think for us means we have to make sure that when people come in, and this is something we're in constant conversation about, we realize sometimes we do a good job of it, a good job at it, and sometimes we don't. Like we're, we're constantly evaluating it and trying to do better. But we need to make sure that when people come into Living Hope Church, they're able to make good, solid connections. Because if you have, if you come in here and you make no connections at all, none, like you just like I love the worship, preaching's pretty decent, whatever. It's a good, you know, they got good coffee. I lo- I love that hour on Sunday. It's a good thing. Like eventually you're going to come to a place in your spiritual walk where that, those criteria, those things that initially drew you here, it, it won't be enough to keep you here. Something's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to struggle with a temptation. You're going to struggle with a, a tragedy, something. And without those deep and meaningful connections where, because this is the deal about the Christian faith. It's not a solo sport. It's not. It was never designed to be a solo sport. It's a team thing. Like we do this together. And if you're not doing faith with other people, um, there is an expiration date on your faith, I guarantee you. If you're not doing faith with other people, there's an expiration date on your faith. That we need each other to stay Encouraged to stay strong. This is what happens. Um, put that next one up there. Uh, healthy churches uh, grow both big and small. If we don't, <coughs> if we don't force ourselves to also grow small, in other words, building meaningful relationships in small groups or in service teams or or just a, you know uh, you know kind of accountability or discipleship groups, whatever that looks like, uh, then you can actually come to church every single week and start to feel lonely in the crowd. Like you're in this crowd of people. Has anybody ever gone to like a big event, like a concert or an amusement park by yourself? Anybody ever done that? <laughs> yeah, a couple of you. Yeah, like at first it's kind of like, ah, it's kind of cool. And then by the end of the day, you're watching all these other people that are having a really good time with all the people that they brought with them. And you're like, yeah, that probably would have been nice too. You know, you're like, like it, you can start to feel lonely in a giant crowd, right? And that's not we, what we want. Uh, if, if we're not allowing ourselves to grow small as, as we grow big, then, uh, then what happens is we get this kind of aspect of passive listening. 
So where you come in here and you just kind of absorb everything, absorb everything, absorb everything. But it's not, but you don't have anybody encouraging you in conversation or in accountability or whatever to take that knowledge and, and think about it and apply it. You're just this like consumer, 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 right? Uh, you, when you, when you don't get connected with people in a church in a meaningful well, in a meaningful way, you avoid redemptive moments. And what I mean by that is this, that the church life is full of redemptive moments. And it's because the church life is full of people who screw up. And when you're not connected with other people, you just look at the screw ups from a distance. You just, you just look at, you know, people that are struggling in their lives and having a hard time. You just kind of observe it from a distance and you don't ever really engage it, connect with it. And therefore you don't get to see how God, how his grace comes into effect and take somebody that's a mess and turn their life into a victory. And when, when you're, but when you're involved in meaningful relationships with people, not only do you get to see that, oftentimes you get to be the instrument of that grace. It's important. Slower maturity happens when you're not connected with people that when we, uh, I mean, you see this in your kids, don't you? If, you, if, you get, if you're a person who, um, you know, you don't have your kids out uh, mixing with other kids very often, maybe you've chosen to homeschool or whatever, uh, there's challenges to those choices. Sometimes, sometimes those choices are good and wise choices, but if you're a good parent, you also re- recognize that there are challenges to those choices that must be overcome. So, so you have to make, you have to be intentional about socializing your kids and that, and that sort of thing and, and, and making sure they're getting a well-rounded experience as a, as a kid and as, as education and that sort of thing. So maturity happens slower in, uh, in isolation. Uh, there'll be unanswered questions. You'll hear a sermon uh, or some teaching or something like this, and maybe questions start popping into your mind, and you wish you could have the opportunity to ask those questions, but Jeff doesn't pass around the mic, and so, um, so you don't ever get, but in, in groups, guess what? You get to say, what did you think about that sermon? And he said this, and what did you think about that? And you, know, you get to do some of that stuff and get your, your, get your questions answered. Uh, you, in isolation, you avoid accountability. You just want to blend in. You don't want anybody to know about the things that you're struggling with. And, I can, and I, again, I can tell you, if you're doing that, there's an expiration date on your faith. That we need, you need people in your life that you can confess to. And there's no salvation or anything in that confession, but it's just good for your soul. It's good for your heart to have people that you trust in your life that you can go to and say, man, I need you to pray for me because I am really struggling with this. And lay that thing out there. And once you bring that dark thing out of the dark into the light, then you're in a position where you can heal from whatever it is you're struggling with. Uh, you have a lack of prayer support when you're off by yourself. When, when you're in groups with people, and you know you, I mean, every single week, I, we've got a group that meets on Tuesday nights, and I love our group. It's a great group of people. And we're, how can I pray for you? How's that thing you mentioned last week? And how, you know, we're, we're, we're praying for each other. We're praising God when we see answers to prayer. We're encouraging one another throughout the week. That's a good thing. And then you have this aspect too, when you're off in isolation, where we have these uh, undisciplined disciples. Undisciplined disciples, which just means for you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. By nature of that word disciple, that means you need to be following someone. Now, I know you can say, well, I am. I'm following Jesus Christ. Okay. But sometimes you need people to kind of put, you know, 
skin and bones on those commands of Jesus Christ. Take it out of the ether and, and really put it to life and demonstrate it for you and talk you through that. Like who here has ever gone to a job, uh, start a new job where they just throw a manual at you and say, this is what you're supposed to do. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, like that, isn't that a little bit daunting? Like what, nobody's going to show me? That's what, you know, the same thing is true of faith, man. If you just jump into this faith thing and somebody's like, here, here's a Bible, figure it out. Like that's a lot of words, right? <laughs> like, should I start somewhere? Is there anything I need to skip? Anything like, you know, what? Like, like that's a lot of words to just try to figure it out. But when you've got somebody walking with you, showing you, encouraging you, uh, teaching you along the way, that's huge, huge. All of us as disciples of Jesus Christ need to be submitting not only to Jesus Christ, but to other people in our life. All of us. So this is what I want you to ask yourself this morning. Is, are you doing faith in such a way that you're positioning yourself for failure? And if you're isolated in your faith, and you may think, well, I'm not isolated. I'm surrounded by people here this morning. You can be surrounded by people here this morning and still be isolated. Are you engaging in meaningful relationships with people in the church? Or are you positioning yourself for failure? And I just want to challenge you. I know, listen, I know. I know we're busy. I know it's hard to find time for extra things in your life. I, I get that. I live that life. I've got four kids and they've all got different agendas. And yeah. Okay. That's why I eat so much bread. Okay. And so, so that's, I get it, but there are certain things in your life that are worth reprioritizing your life around. They're just, they're just are. There are certain things in your life that are worth reprioritizing your life around. And one of those things is your faith, because I'm just going to tell you, you cannot maintain your faith all by yourself. You just can't. You can try to convince yourself that you can, but I'm telling you, it will not work. I've seen it happen over and over and over. You come in, you're excited about church, you're getting encouraged, you're that sort of thing, but you never connect, and pretty soon, I'll see you walk out the door, and it'll be the last time I see you. And you didn't plan it. You didn't plan it. It wasn't anything like, you know, that you were like, ah, I'm out of here. No, you just kind of faded away because you never connected. Get connected somehow. Get connected through one of our small groups. Take your connection card, the yellow cards on your, on your seat, and check on there that you'd like to get connected to a small group, and we'll get somebody in contact with you to help you with that. Get connected in some sort of service group. Connect that you'd like to serve in some way. Just even that, even, even to serve with other people uh, around certain events or worship services or whatever else, it connects you to them. You get to know them better. It's a huge, huge thing. Uh, but get connected somehow. Uh, maybe it's just, maybe, you, maybe you're coming here with a friend. Maybe you're coming here with one or two friends. And you're like, can we just start meeting, you know, at a coffee shop uh, once a week, once every two weeks? And let's just talk. It doesn't have to be anything big. Let's just talk, check in on each other, and maybe talk about the sermon last Sunday or whatever. What do we think of it? I'm telling you that in itself is a huge, huge thing when you're positioning yourself to have spiritual, healthy conversations with people and you're connecting with them in meaningful ways. That's huge, huge. Okay. So I feel like I'm 
Donald Trump, like, huge, it's huge. And so, anyway, uh, it, it is, it's a big deal. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Like, make it a priority in your life. Find a way to fit it in. There are other things in your life that you find a way to fit in. It's a prior, if, it's a, if it's a priority to you, you'll find a way to fit it in. And so, make that decision and make the appropriate steps. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for your word to us this morning, and we thank you that you did not create us to be able to do this relationship with you in isolation, uh, but that it, it, it only works in community with other people. And so, Father, help us in that. Help us to, um, um, for those of us especially who maybe enjoy our alone time, um, aren't necessarily social butterflies and have to be around people all the time or whatever, put within us a desire to step outside of that natural posture and and actually seek relationship with people for the sake of growing closer to you and for the sake of helping others grow closer to you. Um, so God, we pray that you would just put a desire in our hearts for that. God, if there's anybody in the room this morning that is feeling isolated, that is feeling uh, disconnected from from you, from uh, the church, or or whatever. God, I pray that you would reach out to them as only your Holy Spirit can in their moment of loneliness and speak to their heart and encourage them and uh, kind of light the path for them to uh, get out of that. We love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. All right. See you all next week.